0: Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Hello, welcome back to Church Online, brand new series this week titled Stand By Me, kind of a season. The next five weeks, longest one of the year so far, we did a four and a three, and now we've got a five. And so that first week of the year was the Pursuit of Purpose, then FaceTime, we, we finished FaceTime up last week, stepping into Stand By Me. The root of this thing is John 15:4. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Today we're talking about the promise of presence. How to abide above everything. How do we, how, how do we abide above everything? Because you can do anything under one condition. You can do anything under one condition. That one condition is to abide in Jesus. And so stand by me. John fifteen four is our cornerstone scripture. And the story we're using out of the Bible is found in Luke 38. It's the story of Mary and Martha. It's huge in my church. And so in my in my church history, in my Christianity, and my belief, and my walk with God. And so I hope that it speaks to you. What God wants to do with this in your life is going to be super important. So I hope you'll get on the edge of your seat, that you'll engage with me, that you'll take some notes, and that you'll get a little bit better today. And before we do that, let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this word, this message, this time, this season. Thank you, Lord, for taking what only you can do and making it more, Lord. Thank you for the seed that's going to be sown today and planted in people's hearts. So I ask you to help us to receive it so we can use it and be better. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what does abide mean? Abide is kind of this churchy word, right? It's a Christian word. When you look up abide in the dictionary, you only find, uh, not dictionary, And when you Google it, dictionary is going to tell you what I'm fixing to tell you. Um, but when you Google it, you see that most of the time you read the word abide, you're finding the Bible. And so here's what the the definition says in the dictionary to accept or act in accordance with a recommendation, a rule or a decision or to continue without fading or being lost to be consistent. Right. And so here are some of the synonyms for abide, because abide can be one of those words like, oh, that's only there. And what's God really meaning when he's saying abide in me and I will abide in you. He's saying obey, follow, remain, keep to. Hold to, adhere to, stick to, stand by, stand by, which is why we call this stand by me, me being God there. So stand by, agree with, consent to, uphold, accept, respect, and I love this, defer to. To abide is to defer to Jesus, right? And so in the Amplified, John 15, 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. And the big idea is what we face so much in life is is this. We face so much, and in all that we face, we're like, well, you know, this happened, this happened. When we start paying attention to the external things as opposed to the internal things, right? And the number one reason for success in life is undoubtedly due to abiding in Jesus, especially if you call yourself a believer, right? And so now abiding does not mean that we sit idly by, it means resting in the work, resting in the moment, resting in the truth, right? Resting in the confidence that God is your answer. That's what abiding is, that he is your peace, that he is your provision, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And and because we abide, the more we abide, the more his grace and power transform us into his image, the more we get to go from here and be like Jesus. And so there is, uh, there's this line, it's a quote. It says, there's no condition of life in which we cannot abide in Jesus. We have to learn to stand by him wherever we are. And that is where we're going over the next five weeks. John fifteen four. this is the message translation. And I want to, I want to teach this scripture before we actually jump into the message. And here's what the message says. It says, live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. Wow. What's he saying? Take care. Be intentional to live in me. Water. Invest in. Invest in your relationship with me and let me, let me, is what he's asking, and let me live in you. Right? So you have to allow God to find his place in your heart the spirit of god to find his place in your heart and so that comes with receiving that salvation and abiding which is following right we're going to go with god once we receive once we pray the prayer of salvation and become believers we actually abide we actually go with god stand by me we remain right we 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 actually live in him and he lives in us and so the second part of john 15:4 says for a branch can't produce fruit when it is severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful without me. What's well, this? Uh, this is a fruit deal. What are you talking about? In the same way that a branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only being joined to the vine, that's the only way that, that, that a fruit, that a grape, let's just use grapes, that grapes can be fruitful, that grapes can actually happen is because they're connected to the vine. The same is true in our relationship. You can't bear fruit Unless you are joined with me is what he's saying. And so now it's great to receive salvation. That is a must, man, that gets you into heaven. Jesus' resurrection reestablishes your relationship with God, right? And God sees you through the blood of his son. That's amazing. But your life bears fruit when you abide. When you transition from believing to becoming. We're going to become more like Jesus. That's the whole goal, right? Christ-like character. And so it's really the difference in and uh, in, in between um, being saved, having a savior, and having a and having a Lord, right? And so when you have a savior, it's just like good. I check the box, and I'm across the finish line, and I'm in heaven. But when Jesus is Lord, we're actually abiding with Him, and and it's not a well. I, I, he's my savior, but He's not my Lord. It's not an either uh, either or. It's a both and. And when it's both then, when he is your Lord and Savior, when you confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that is abiding, right? And so the big question is, how do we do that? How do we abide? This is such a weird word. Stand by me. Abide. What do you, what do you mean? And I want to look at the story of Mary and Martha. There's just four, four scriptures here. We're going to read them together out loud. And then, um, and then I want to jump into our first and only point Uh, A good message always has one point, so there's one point to this message, and there will be one point over the next uh, five weeks. And so here we go. Verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Martha said, hey, you should stay here. You can stay here. Will you stay here? Will you come here? Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. I just want to have a me too moment. Man, it would do anything to like be there, right? Verse 40, but Martha was the jittery type. Been there. And was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. Now listen, who created this big dinner moment? Martha, right? Jesus didn't make this moment. Mary didn't make this moment. She's busy. She's worrying. And she came to Jesus. She said, sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that... My sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. And Jesus says to her, Martha, dear friend, you are upset over all of these details, over all the externals, right? There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And because she has, it will not be taken from her. It will not be taken from her. And what he's saying is there's only one thing worth being concerned about right now. God is in your house. Right? Only one thing worth being concerned about. And for us, it's our relationship with God. Because from it, everything flows. Right? Your connection allows, uh, your connection to him allows uh, you to be fruitful because he is the source. And so the first point, and I want to point out what Mary did here. What did Mary do? She took a load off. Take a load off, Annie. Mary came in. And she sat at the feet of Jesus, and we would call that relaxing. So the first point to abide is relax, relax, easier said than done, way easier said than done. And so in verse 40, in verse 40, Martha really just needs to relax. Lord, don't you care that my sister, right? Don't you care that my sister who who is concerned as well as I am in having Things done well. Mary's the same, right? She's left me to serve alone. And so dismiss her and tell her to come help me. Dismiss her and come and help me. And I want to ask you the the question today, who defines what well means in your life? Who, My sister, who is concerned, and she likes things done well too, who defines done well in your life? You can write that down. Martha's complaint made it really easy to see that she was distracted. And the fact that she couldn't see what was most important is very obvious, right? And she talks like she's upset with her sister. Otherwise, she wouldn't have asked Jesus to help with the matter, right? She wouldn't have asked for a referee. And so what we need to see is excess concern and pursuit of performance or accomplishment is often the reason for disturbances in our relationships. Most of the time, that's why we find contention. That's why we find strife. That's why we find disturbance. That's why we find uh, a discontent. Discontention is because uh, we are in pursuit of performance or accomplish over, uh, accomplishment over relationship. Right? Now, those here's the other thing. What you need to see from Martha here is is I've been this person too. Those who are eager to chase completion and focus on performance are normally the ones who blame and criticize those who are not chasing it, right? And while they justify themselves and their actions, they're ready to condemn those who do not, as if they neglected their opportunity to take part in the business too. Why don't you want to be busy with me, right? Oh, you're not going to work at my standard, (laughs) right? And so the problem is they've created the value, they operate off this value of doing. And if or when you can't do like them, you become an anchor to them, which then only turns it up for them to say, I'll do it myself. And that's really what's, what's next. Martha's got to this place, right? Martha being angry at her sister, she appeals to Jesus and assumes that Jesus will take her side for being upset. And it seems what's so cool is it seems Jesus expressed himself very tenderly concerned for her. He was a guest in her house. And so that's important. But she expected that he would tell her sister to get up and share in the work. And now Mary liked things done well too. Remember that. Here's the thing. When Martha was busy, she must have Mary and Jesus and everyone else care just as much about her busyness as she did, or she's not pleased. Don't you all see how busy I am? Look at all of this. And nobody once goes, who told you to do all that? Right? Who told you to do all that? You might not know anybody like that. I know people like that. Okay, I used to to be this person. And so take note here, those who are not always in the right are the quickest to appeal to God. They're the quickest to go, well, but God, but God, because they're so busy in their production, in their producing that they miss it. And Acts 20, 28 says, take heed to yourself and then to the flock and then to everything else. And it tells us that so that in case at any time we expect Jesus to support our unjust busyness, we know right now I'm in the, it's, it's us. It's take reflection, guard your heart, right? For out of it, produce everything, everything from life. And so Martha could have very easily done what Mary did and put her busy on the side, and we could have had, you know, a meat tray and some, and some vegetables. She could have shelved all of her worries and her cares, and focused on who was in her house, but instead she decided to stay busy, and then to complain that she was the only one busy, but she also liked that too, right? And so 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Martha chose not to do this. Now, the cares which, which God casts on you, the things that He has put in you, they can be cast back on him any time. Anything that God gives you, God's never going to give you what you can't carry. He's never going to call you to something that you cannot do, right? And if at any moment you feel like it might be too heavy, he says, hey, I can take that. Just let me know and I can take that. And so you can cast it on or back on him any you want to. But you cannot cast cares upon God, which you have foolishly drawn or given to yourself. Jesus will be the patron of the poor, he will be the patron of the injured, but he will not be the patron of the unstable, ignorant, or hurtful person. Can't do it, that's not like him, it's outside his character. And so Martha appeals to Jesus and he gives judgment against her, he says, Martha, Martha. He gets her attention, he says Martha twice, and he corrected her, and though he was a guest in her house, he still comes down, he goes, hey, hey. And her fault was doing too much to entertain him. And she expected because she was doing to entertain that she would be justified in her actions. Yet he publicly checked her because he was there to impart something. And she was the distraction. She was a screaming kid in the room. She was the thing that was being used to distract everybody else. Right? And Jesus provides that opportunity right there. Jesus provides... An opportunity for Martha to get right. Here's the thing. As many as Jesus loves, he also humbles. As many as he loves, he also humbles. Even those who are dear to him. If anything be off in anyone, he will make sure it gets corrected. Why? Because he loves you, right? And this is the bonus of abiding. Man, when God can actually help me get something right in my life, I really like that. I love that. Maybe that's my personality type. But I think that's who we're all called to be. And the bonus of abiding is, is, and what it means to be kept on the path, is when God goes, hey, just adjust that a little bit. Because you're going to end up right there. And if, and if you don't adjust that, you're going to end up over there. And that's not what I have for you, right? And so when he corrected her, he called Martha by name. And he speaks very earnestly to her. And he's deeply concerned for her well-being. And people who are entangled in the cares of this life are not easily disentangled. And that's the hard part. People who are easily tangled up in the cares and of the, of the desires of their flesh, who are entangled, in that, they're not easily disentangled. It's a process to get out of. It takes time, and it's typically uphill. And more times than not, we have to humble ourselves to take that journey. So if you're sipping coffee with me today, we have to accept that there has to be, that there must be change in us. There must be change in you. Jesus noticed Martha was troubled about many things. It says, you're troubled about many things. And so he was not pleased that she thought that she had to please him. That's probably one of those things, right? And you don't have to entertain me. And he wasn't pleased that she was pushing herself to accomplish something that he never asked her to do. And so Jesus corrects her for both the intenseness of her care and the extensiveness of it. The intenseness of her care and the extensiveness of it, which led to her being disappointed in herself. Been there? Yes. And so we are all troubled and divided and disturbed by our cares, which lead to our disappointments. But if you remember, God says, give me those cares. And when he says, give me those cares, he's really saying, and busy. I'll take busy too. Okay, you can cast all your cares on me, 1 Peter 5, 7, you can cast all your cares on me, give me all those cares, especially busy, Martha, give me your busy, Martha. And the thought that I have for you is who told Martha to get so busy? She did. She created an expectation that she couldn't fulfill naturally and didn't have the time or energy for Boy, that's life in America in 2023, right? And, and that expectation is a big thing. I, I teach this all the time. Our expectations lead to our frustrations. Our expectations are our greatest frustrations. It's not about lowering the expectation, though. So it's like, well, you don't even know. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend I know. It's not about lowering the expectation. It's making sure it's realistic. Is this realistic? Are you even setting realistic expectations? And then it's keeping the process in perspective, especially if there are people involved, right? No task, no task should ever take priority over a person ever, ever. And Martha expected Jesus to blame Mary for not doing as she did, but he blamed her for not doing as Mary did. Right? And the reality in this, the judgment of Jesus is always going to be according to truth. The judgment of Jesus is always going to be according to truth. So the day Finally came. This was the day for Martha, right? Somebody got Martha's attention. And she realized for the first time that she needed to be sitting right next to her sister instead of being in another room doing something. What was she missing? She realized, wow, this is great. How would I ever not sit at the feet of Jesus? She finds it. And it's hard to posture ourselves like Mary, right? It's so hard to sit and I call it chair time. You might call it something else. And in the beginning, it's a struggle. But if you'll start, if you'll start to sit at the feet of Jesus every day, you'll be amazed at what he'll teach you, what he'll show you of how to fix, change, improve, correct. Those who are willing to receive correction are and go great, right? And so it's hard to posture ourselves like Mary, especially when the list is long and daylight is short. And my hope and my prayer and and my belief is that the day is going to come for you to take the time to posture yourselves like Mary. Why? Because of what verse 42 says. It says, Mary discovered what mattered most. And because she did, Jesus said, it would never be taken away. It would never be taken away. And what matters most in your relationship with Jesus is that time with him is what fuels you. So many times in scripture, Jesus goes away to get quiet and to pray so that he can connect with God. So he can connect with his father, his quiet times with God were his source of strength. It's why he could walk the earth. It was those connections. This is why, and what Jesus is telling us in John 15. And I read you John 15, four, but I want to read you the before and the after. And here's what it says. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And my father is the vineyard keeper. Ooh, that's good. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will will produce more fruit. We call that the pruning process. It says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse four, remain in me and I in you. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Stand by me and I'll stand by you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, Unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you, unless you remain in me. Verse five, for I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the vine, you're the branches. He's the vineyard keeper. Okay. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. In verse six, if anyone does not remain in me, if anyone does not abide in me, if anybody does not stand by me, right. Right. He is thrown aside like a branch and he withers and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. What a parallel. Verse seven. But if you remain in me, if you abide in me and my words in my words, the guide, the truth abide in you, ask whatever you want, ask whatever you want. So there's that desire and it will be done for you. For my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. And you proved to be my disciples. That's solid. And so I'll close with this. We all need to be connected to God. We all need to be connected to God. Remember, the number one reason for success in our life is because we abide in Jesus. The only point today is relax. Relax. Trust God. Use Mary as your example. Mary liked things done well, too, but she realized, this is the most important thing right now. And because she did it, it was never taken from her, right? And so here's how we remain in Christ. This is, this is rooted in our relationship with God. Be relaxed. Anybody ever, ever ask you or tell you to relax? It's pretty offensive, okay? At least if you're a type A dude like me. <laughs> Just relax, will you? <laughs> Whoa. Well, hey, don't boss me, right? <laughs> be relaxed. Be relaxed. What, what do I mean by be relaxed? Be less anxious. If you're taking notes, please write this down. God is not in a hurry. We are. This is why we stress. This is why we lack trust. This is where there's full of angst. This is where all of that comes in because we're in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. Abiding in God means resting in in God's timing, trusting that it's perfect, and believing that He is in control—that's it. Why do I know this? It's Psalms 46:10. Relax. Be still. Stop your striving. Let go of your concerns, and know that I am God. I've numbered the days. I've numbered your hairs. I know your thumbprint. I got it. So how can I do this? Come into your daily time with God, whatever that is. If it's only prayer, if it's reading, if it's listening, if it's podcast if it's worship, if it's writing, if it's reflection, whatever it is, come into your daily time with God under control with peace, with peace, right? And the heart that he's got me, he's got me. Here's your action step. Intentionally, if we're going to abide, if we're going to walk with God, if God's going to be with us and we're going to be intentional, right? This is how you're going to do it. You're going to intentionally unplug every day. Every day, intentionally unplugging does not mean that you're connected to a screen, by the way, which we'll talk about next week. This is not unplugging because when I watch my news feed or my trash feed or my TikTok feed or my Instagram feed or my stories or my reels or my YouTube shorts or, or whatever I'm doing, I'm not, my, my mind is not off. And I've got to turn my mind off. And so then intentionally unplug every day, intentionally relax. You can do this from one to 15 minutes. Start with one, start with one. Be 100% present for those 60 seconds, breathe, breathe. Trust it and lean into it. No media, right? Your next step is going to give you some time to reflect. I'm gonna talk about reflection because this is part of your action step. What does it mean to reflect? How do I reflect intentionally? Reflection is, is, is kind of difficult. and Some people think it's weird and, and I, call it, I call it journaling, you can call it writing. A lot of guys don't like it because it's called a diary. But here's how you reflect intentionally. I want you to write about yesterday. I want you to write about yesterday. If you're taking notes, yesterday is the only way that I can reflect and evaluate. I have to look back at what happened. And so when I look back at yesterday, I want to ask three questions. What energized me? Now if you're a doer, you're going to answer that question like, what energized me? I had this awesome meeting. I got this. We got paid. Got the floor done. There's something to do. But what if you said, what energized me as a believer? What energized me as a husband, as a wife, as a dad, mom? What energized me as a friend? What energized me as a leader, as a coworker? What energized me yesterday? What did I love? This is really personal. This is very, very specific to you. What did I love about yesterday? And that's wide open. The third thing, where am I winning? Where am I winning? Let's celebrate what God's doing in your life. Where am I winning? If you're a doer, you're going to start writing down tasks and things that you completed and, and, and all that and, and how productive you are. But I want to challenge you to go, where am I winning as a husband, as a father, as a dad, as a wife, as a mom, as a son, as a believer, as a leader, as a coworker. Where am I winning? That's how you reflect. Now. While you're there, let's go ahead and do some recognition. So let's talk about today. A Couple more things I want you to think about. When you write about today, you have a chance to recognize and to write, to recognize and to write. And so what did you read today? I didn't read Dusty. Well, what was your prayer life like today? What was in your prayer? What was in your, in your, what was the thought process? Was there a thought process? What did you sing? What did you perceive? What did you hear? Right? Reflect on what was read, reference that. You can reference that throughout the week. You can reference that throughout the day, because I guarantee you, God probably wants to use that to speak to you through your day, right? Then recognize where you can win today. Check your calendar. I got this today. Oh, I got a 15 minute block here. I got, recognize where you can win today. And then the last thing you do is write. And that allows you to get everything that's heavy and hard that's in your heart out right cover tensions that you're managing get them out of your head and onto paper give them to God cast all your cares including your busy get them on paper and get them out here's how you're going to make it matter okay here's how you're going to make it matter We're talking about reflection we're talking about writing okay we're writing about yesterday and today and so i want you to review this weekly okay and so once a week go back through your six days and go okay one two it'll take you maybe maybe 30 minutes You'll get down to where you're really good because the more you do it, the better you get, right? It's rhythm. And you want to highlight, okay? And just make the highlights. And then on that day, essentially write the highlights from the week. Here's where I won the most. Here's here's what I love the most, right? And then once a year, I want you to review those 52 pages, right? You're going to review six pages and then 52. I normally do this between Christmas and New Year's. But it's a great way for you to reflect and go back and go, wow, look at what God did in my life, in our marriage, in our family, right? Wow. Look at how good God is, which allows us to actually celebrate a good year, right? That's how to abide by being relaxed, right? So I want to give you a bonus. If we can go to overtime, let's like to go to overtime. We're at 29 minutes right now. I'm going to take you to overtime really quickly. Give me three. How do we abide with the Bible? Because I talk about reading the Bible a lot, and I think a lot of people assume that. And so how to be intentional in reading your Bible. I've got nine, I think, and I'm just going to hit these really quickly. It's, this is audio recorded, and you have a notebook, so let's go. Number one, find your place. Location is 80% of your success. Reading in the living room while your kids are watching Paw Patrol and a two-year-old is jumping on your lap is not the place, right? So find your place. That's 80% of your success Two, identify your start. Where are you going to open the Bible and start reading? It's called the living word. It's going to transform your life if you let it, right? So you should pray before you start, but are you going to start in Proverbs? Are you going to start in the gospels? Are you going to start in the book of Acts? Are you going to start in the new Testament? And if you would say, if you would say, Dusty, I have no clue where to start. I just want to invite you to start in the New Testament. Start in the New Testament. And what God will do with that will be amazing. The New Testament's after the old, it's about, I don't know, 70, 70-ish percent back, right? Maybe between 60 and 70 percent back in the book. And you flip it open, the book of Matthew's the first one. We all start in Matthew, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have different perspectives of Jesus' life. And you're gonna learn so much about who we are to be like if you're just starting the gospel, start in the New Testament, okay? Number three, be intentional. Be intentional, read slowly, don't be in a hurry, and never try to consume too much. I'm gonna read the whole chapter. You read the whole chapter, how much of that are you really going to internalize? How much much of that's really gonna get planted into your heart, right? Don't try to read too much. Here's what I like to do, I like to repeatedly read the same passage over and over and over, and I like to put myself in that place. I wanna picture that in my mind. Number four, read without stopping. Read without stopping. That means don't stop in the middle of a sentence to go on this in-depth study. Don't stop in the middle of a sentence because somebody just texts you. Don't stop in the middle of a sentence. Read without stopping. Number four, read for joy. Read for joy. Read for expectation. I'm expecting God. Come into this time expecting God to speak to you. Allow God to speak to you. Keep your mind on what you're reading, right? Because we can read and not not be really getting any of it, right? (laughs) We're not... It's not calculating, right? Keep your mind on the word. Keep your mind on the word, comprehend what you're reading. Your goal is not to gain information, but to get fed, to be fed on the word so that you get to know Jesus better so that you can become more like him. That's the goal for reading, right? Number six, don't be afraid to highlight it, man. Make your Bible your own. Guess what? It's the number one most sold Bible ever in the history. It's gonna continue to be that way. They make more, I'll give you one for free. If you run out of, if if you mark yours up so bad that you can't even recognize it, highlight your Bible, highlight it, highlight it. Why? So you can think on it, so you can reread it, so you can write it down. I will read a chapter, and then I will reread the chapter, and the second time I reread it, I will highlight. The third time I go back and reread the highlighted parts, then I pray about it. Yeah, God, I do get that. That's what you're saying to me today. Then I journal about it, highlight it, highlight it. Number seven. Read aloud, but quietly. Something magical happens when you read out loud, right? Which means your location must be important, right? It doesn't matter. When you read out loud, this improves your concentration, right? It helps you understand better as you get to see and hear what you're reading. You're hearing it too. That's one of your senses. We might as well use that. God gave it to you, right? Number eight, read in an orderly method. Read in an orderly method. You'll understand it better if you read it as it was written, right? A book or a letter at the time? A book or a letter at the time? A chapter at a time? A verse at a time? Here's the other thing. We're saying, oh, I gotta read one chapter a day? No, you don't. Start with one verse a day. Start with one verse a day. And if you read that one verse, you're like, hmm I'd like to know more. Read a second verse. Read a third. If you're like, that's ah, all too much, I want to tell you to go back. Go to Proverbs, seek wisdom. Find wisdom and understanding. That's what Proverbs is all about. It'll change your life. Proverbs is in the middle of the Bible, right? And then the ninth thing is this, let it transform your life. Let it transform your life. The number one question, the hardest, the, the most challenge I've ever been, is when I was asked this, will you believe this enough to let it change your life? Will you believe this enough to let it change your life? And what's amazing is when you get quiet with God and there are no other voices and there's no other media and it's just you and Him, what the Word does in your life is exactly that because there's nobody there talking you out of it, telling you you're crazy, or, you know, that's old, or you shouldn't do that, or why don't you do this, or you should that. there's nobody, it's just you and God. And so let it transform your life. There's a bonus over time, and I took you to 34 it was four minutes. Lord, I love you, thank you so much. Thank you so much for reminding us what the power of your presence brings and how we bear fruit when we are willing to just relax and be and be with you thank you for this series stand by me thank you for standing by me thank you for abiding in us and me as we abide in you lord i love you so much thank you for being such a good god thank you for being so intentional with each of us i ask you to help us to go from here better than we came in and i love you for it thank you for fruit that we bear fruit good fruit fruit that lasts I love you. Thank you for an awesome week. Thank you for this message, for this series, and for the people who are here. Bless them as they go. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you partner with us financially, thank you so much. And it means more than you know to have your support. Next week, we're going to be talking about the difference between busy and distracted. We talked about busy today. Now let's talk about distraction next week. We'll go one more point. Point two will be next week. We'll talk about that. Now I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray the perception of your mind will be enlightened so that you will know what His hope, His calling, and His purpose are for you and the great things He has in store for you. Go have a great week. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public servicemen and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. So go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.